Hey, Merry Christmas! How are ya? Well, I see you guys next week? I think so. Awesome. Christmas! Are you awake yet? Yeah. All right. Sometimes she comes in. Yeah. <laughs> right? You do. <laughs> oh my gosh, John Cloak. Hi, I know this dude. Please fill out a visitor card so we can get to know you a little bit better. <laughs> I'll drop me off. Hey, Merry Christmas. His name was Harley David, you know, that's and funny. so my father was an actual Harley Davidson. Oh, that's funny. I like that. Hey, if you could fill out a visitor card so we could Stop. get to know um, you a little bit better. <laughs> Good to see you, sweetie. I'm glad He's you're here. here. He's here. This is my last Sunday. My last Sunday up I know. here. He literally can't even walk. He was doing my parents' breaks yesterday, and I guess when he's with the time.
check. Church, Merry Christmas. It's not too early to say that, right? One more sleep till Christmas, as the Muppet Christmas Carol would say, which is my favorite one. Come on, let's all stand to our feet this morning. Let's worship our King today. I just like saying do 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 do. It, it's Christmas. 
Whenever you hear do-do-do-do-do-do, don't you say, oh, it's Christmas. That's right. Well, Merry Christmas. I hope you guys are ready. Uh, I guess tomorrow. See, in Norway, where uh, my family's from, this was Christmas Day for us. We got to open up presents Christmas night, Christmas Day evening. I don't know if Santa was on the wrong time zone or something for Norwegians, or we just couldn't figure out. I think it's because they wanted to sleep in on Christmas Day. So how many are you guys ready for your kids waking up at like 2 a.m.? <sighs> Have they ever done it? And mine too. It was like we finally got everything set up. We were fine. You remember this one? And we finally go, okay, let's go to sleep. All of a sudden we go, Alicia, look. And I'm like, what are you doing? Go back to bed. <laughs> so we made him go back to bed. Did we make him go back to bed? No, you probably let him stay up, huh? Yeah, you probably did. That's great. Well, that's so true. Look at all your presents. Good night. Uh, so. God bless you. I hope you have a great, great morning tomorrow, and I hope you eat good food today. Hey, just one major announcement, and then I'll turn it over to, to Robert. Where did Robert go? Oh, there's Bob, and I'll turn it. You can make your way up here. Um, I'll, I just wanted to let you know next Sunday, we have a, uh, a breakfast downstairs, and we really need help with that, so I have a sign-up sheet back there so we can figure out who's coming and who's bringing what. So bring your favorite breakfast dish to share, and um, if you you don't feel like making breakfast, I'll be just fine with donuts. So you can bring, or Pop-Tarts, or Captain, or Captain Crunch cereal, or, or Fruit Loops. I like those too. Applejack. How many Applejack people we have? Applejacks? Applejacks or Fruit Loops? Yeah. How many say Fruit Loops? Oh, how many Applejack? Oh man, it could be a war in here. <laughs> Well, so please sign up at the back table and let us know you're coming and bring a little something. It's uh, also my last Sunday with you. This is my last Sunday preaching up here as your pastor and uh, very excited to spend some time talking with you guys downstairs. So that'll be great. We'll also have communion downstairs, right? Yeah, we'll have communion together and a little devotion. And uh, I want to encourage you as well and some worship. So I'll turn it over to go ahead. No, oh, Debbie. Oh, Secret Sisters. What, they're not going to be. Secret Sisters will be revealed. Secret Sisters will be revealed. Next Sunday downstairs. Okay. So all will be revealed. You're sure? <laughs> I'll, I'll do the offering after you do that. How's that? Does that work? Okay. We're all discombobulated. Don't forget to say Merry Christmas. Thanks for being here, everybody. Good to have you all here. And as a uh, pastor mentioned, and for those of you that don't know, uh, next Sunday will be his last Sunday before uh, God calls him to Missouri. So he'll be around for a few weeks after that, but he won't be in service after that. So we would love for everybody to be here next Sunday to uh, not only hear his last message, um, but also to be here with them and uh, basically uh, celebrate him and Debbie and uh, give them a nice push off and have a meal with them and break some bread with them. And uh, it'll be... Uh, Tears of joy, but tears of sadness, too. It'll be kind of both ways, but uh, 
He's done a great job. We love this man, love his wife, and um, yeah, that's going to be hard. But also, we all the great thing about being a Christian and believing in the Lord and knowing that the Lord's good and benevolent is that uh, we always believe in better days ahead, right? That's what we always believe. So anyway, so we're happy about that. Um, today, though, and even next Sunday, if uh, we are... Uh, pulling some money together for an offering, uh, basically to uh, as a going away gift for Pastor and his wife. So if you want to put that in the offering and uh, designate that to Pastor, uh, we would love that, and then we'll take care of that, and then we'll present that to uh, him and Debbie next Sunday. Um, also, just as far as church news goes, um, just want you to know we are preparing for when Pastor leaves. So I know that your board is working hard on that, and we're working with the district. Uh, and uh, we've got uh, John back there, and brother, thank you, and John. John will be uh, preaching our first Sunday. Uh, he'll be taking the pulpit for us. And uh, Dennis Peters will be taking it the next Sunday. So we do have the pulpit filled for January 7th and 14th, as far as it goes. We're working on the worship end, so we'll have more information next week on some other things, as far as how we'll be carrying out church services during the interim period. And we are working with the uh, district that's uh, right now, so talking to them. And there will be, as we get into the new year, we want to get past the new year, and then we'll start talking about things like a pastor search and things like that. So just wanted you all to know that. But for right now, what we're focusing on is uh, Pastor Eric and Debbie, and that'll be uh, listening to the sermon today, and that'll be also giving them a nice uh, send-off next Sunday. And I think that's all I got for right now. Yeah, so we'll do meet and greet, and then we'll do offering. Okay. So, uh, seven minutes, no, just kidding. So anyways, for the next five minutes, we have meet and greet, so everybody get around and uh, talk to people, and uh, what are we supposed to do? we have a theme today or no? Just five minutes. Just right? five, minutes. five minutes. So the theme today is just five minutes. Okay, got it. All right, okay. <laughs> So brevity, I guess, is the theme. All right. Okay. Thanks. And I want to say good morning to everybody online this morning. It is my last Sunday up here in the pulpit. And I want to give you a heads up that next week we will not be broadcasting online because we're downstairs and we're having breakfast and saying goodbye. So uh, for those of you who will not be able to attend, uh, please watch my Facebook page for information on where I'm going and, and what's happening and, and that. And I'll let you guys know as well. And then uh, this Sunday, though, enjoy the message. It's about feeling Christmas, touching Jesus. And so I encourage you to stay throughout the uh, service, okay? God bless you. And hi, Maverick. <laughs>
Thank you, Coulter. Do you see him? They don't care. They don't care. Oh, are you the spokesperson now? <laughs> Fellowship is worship. This is where all the people who come late, they sneak in during meet and greet. I have uh, Andrew first. Huh? Yeah, I, I don't like people liking each other this much. Yeah. Look at them, look at them, look at them. All right. Where'd Andrew go? All right. Andrew? Okay. Well, Andrew is going to give a missions update, but I don't see him. I, hello? There's Andrew. Andrew, are you giving a missions window? All right. Take your time. It's only been eight minutes. <laughs> Morning, church family. So today we are introducing, oh, my name is Andrew Cam. I'm the leadership membership representative for Mount Zion. And I'm happy to be, I'm excited for the Joyce Bergen. Um, she used to be in Burma, now she's in Miramar, Indonesia. And the missionary updating I have for her is like May, June, and July. So, um, so in May, she had uh, 122 participants for MCAP that was uh, participating through, to carry the message through the nation. In May, they uh, were in Baggio. There was people that came from universities from Ohio and other states that went to the schools and also to the churches and the homes. And then she, in July, she also went to uh, see her family in Washington and, and also in Springfield, Missouri. And then she went back to Bangkok um, f for her visa and then she had a retreat. So she was been here like 15, 20 years ago. Um, I know that she started, but the, the main thing that she put out there was that the message of hope and, and the peace that is carried through the missionary field and what the transition was that. And so I'm so grateful for her to be a part of our church and we get to support her. If you want to get on to support her, you can put get in the other on the, on the tithing envelope and put missionary Joyce Bergen. And I, I actually send $60 a month. I don't know where it goes, but I know it's for a good cause. So um, today I want to pray for her. Father God, we just pray for Joyce and her team and all the ministry people that she works with and to enlighten her and the joyful ride that she has and, and the growth and the, and the perseverance that she endures through every situation that she has and have your hand of protection upon her in your wonderful, precious name. Amen. Andrew. Go ahead, you can pray for the 
offering your tithes and offerings. Thank you so much for your faithfulness. All right. Thank you so much for your faithfulness. So anyway, let me pray for the offerings today. And Lord, uh, we just thank you for today, Lord. We thank you that your hand is on us. Uh, we just thank you that we know you. And we have somebody to talk to, we have somebody to pray to, and that you look out for your children, Lord God, and that you hold them, Lord. In this time of uh, giving and uh, where we give our time, we give our prayer lives to you, Lord God, and give our bodies and everything else as a sacrifice to you, Lord God. May this be a time where we also give some of our finances, which are really your finances, back to you to support the church and to uh, support your kingdom, Lord God. And we're thankful we have the opportunity to do that, Lord God. Thank you for your generosity with us um, and everything that you do, Lord God, Jesus. And uh, may we uh, take your generosity and fill that in our hearts. And, and especially during this season, may we be generous in turn to the ones around us and to our church. In Jesus' name, I pray this prayer. Amen. our best. He's given us his best. Let's give him ours. Over the skies of Bethlehem appeared a star. While angels sang to lonely shepherds. Three wise men seeking truth traveled from heaven and falling on their knees they bowed before the humble prince of peace I bring an offering of worship to my king no one on earth deserves the praises that I sing
sing like never before Oh my soul And I worship your
those online, they need a healing, maybe of their body, maybe of their soul, God, or their mind. But you are God with us, and you stay close to us, God. We thank you for that this morning. We ask you, Lord, to be with us in this message. Let your words move us to action and put our feet to faith. We ask you to bless this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, one more time. Amen. One of my favorite things at Christmas time, other, other than the food and the smells and the taste, the sounds of Christmas, I also just think there's, a, there's something in the air. There's some, people give a little more hugging this time of year, a little more embracing of touching, grabbing people, wishing them a Merry Christmas. In fact, I read that, that uh, if if you are having a bad day or even feeling depressed, a 20-second hug can turn around those endorphins in your, in your mind. 20-second hug can fix things. Touch is important. I remember Dr. James Dobson of Focus on the Family fame. He one time was talking about a study that was done where these guys, uh, they, this, this was back a long, long, long time ago, and I think it had to do with some babies that were left orphaned in World War II. And they found that there were some babies that just didn't survive. And the reason was is they didn't have enough people to hug the babies and hold the babies while they were being fed. They were just sticking bottles and propping them up, and they were making a feed. They just didn't have an opportunity to, to hold those babies. There was nothing physically wrong with the babies, but the ones that were not held died. And it is that important to us as humans what touch is. There's only two times in Luke's gospel where Jesus' body is explicitly fully embraced. Once when Simeon held him in the temple, and then when Joseph of Arimathea took Jesus' body down from the cross. Certainly Mary must have held him countless times, and surely Jesus hugged his friends. But Luke is trying to make a point, emphasizing these two instances. If we were in to embrace Jesus, we need to embrace the entire story of Jesus from the manger to the tomb. I remember sometime there was a, a time when I was just going through the first beginnings of my ministry and a, a, a kid in my youth group, her name was Aubrey, 
And she was 17 years old, and, and she died of, a, of heart failure. She was on special medication that helped slow down her heart. She had one of those things where her heart would suddenly race to 300 beats per minute. So they had her on these, these meds, and they were going to do this special surgery. They had, they had lined up for, for weeks and weeks and weeks with a, one specialist who could do this surgery to remove these adrenaline beads out of her system. But in order to do this surgery, she had to come off that medication for two weeks. And the first week, uh, she went out to the car to get something in the middle of the night and came back in and sat down and passed away. It was a shock to my system, not only just as a youth pastor, but it was a shock to my system because I never really knew a young person like that passing away. And I didn't know what to do. And I found myself, what I do when I'm nervous, Nathan, you'll attest to this, I talk. (laughs) And I went over to the house, and I talked, and I talked. You know, I didn't know what to do. So, you know, it's kind of like, I felt like uh, Ricky Bobby didn't know what to do with my hands, you know. I just didn't know what to do. And uh, finally, my pastor pulled me over, and he just said, hey, hey, you don't have to talk. they just happy you're here. They just want an embrace. They just want a hug. That's all you have to do. And I remember going over to Linda and Jeff and, and, and just hugging them, and just hugging them, and just hugging them. Now, this was probably over 20 years ago now. And I remember it was about five years ago, I was at a gas station, and I don't know, something sparked, no, something popped up on my phone that this was Aubrey's birthday. And I had decided to call Jeff and Linda and I was just telling him I was remembering Aubrey and how much I loved her. And it's funny to me that, that both of them didn't talk about all the words I had said, or I said some wonderful, comforting news to them, but they did talk about how special it was that I was there, and they'll never forget the hugs that I gave them. That's the impact touch has on us as human beings. I guess we should say today's message for Christmas is one of the strangest baby dedication stories in the Bible. It's in Luke chapter 2, and we have this story of a baby dedication. We just recently dedicated Isaac, and uh, this is where we get it from, this story here. There was a senior citizen out there named Simeon. And he was taking in his arms a young baby and saying the kind of things that would only shock you and me as a parent that we're going to read in the text. They marveled at it, but a lot of parents would have said, you know, think about it. If if Simeon's up there and he just says, hey, can I I hold your baby for a second, this old guy? We might say, all right, all right, yeah, but can I have my baby back, please? Simeon is a great story, though. He's a man in the temple and he's waiting for something to happen. And someone to show up. But, but Simeon isn't the typical story we, we attribute to Christmas. In fact, he would be, if, if Christmas was a movie, he'd be under key grip. And nobody ever looks for that name. He'd be under musical direction or something like that. We know Jesus, the baby, Mary, Joseph, wise men, shepherds, even sheeps and cows we think of. They even get a higher billing than Simeon. But I'm drawn to Simeon's story because I believe he captures the spirit of Christmas. Simeon was in tune with God when nobody else was. 
Think about it. The most important person ever born, Jesus Christ. And when he came into the world, Caesar and Rome knew nothing about it. The Roman Senate knew nothing about it. They were ignorant. The philosophers in Athens could care less. Even the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem were too apathetic to find out just who this baby was. And Herod the Great, who reigned in Judea, was just too paranoid. But Simeon, he was among this special group of people who had insight that God was about to do something great. And I want you to notice that as we begin in our story in Luke chapter 2. It's verses 25 through 35. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought the child Jesus to do, brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all people a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. I want you to see with me this man, Simeon. His description, his proclamation, and his prediction. Who was this guy? Well, let's get an idea personally, first of all. What did he look like? Well, we're not really told what he looks like. But we can be sure how, we can't even be sure how old he was, but because it doesn't really just give his age. Although there's a couple of hints we noticed that we can get from the text that Simeon was probably a senior citizen or an older man. In verse 26, the Holy Spirit indicated that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord Christ. And then notice in verse 29, he prays, you are letting your servant depart in peace. So the fact that he speaks of death and his departure, we can infer that he was an older man who had been waiting a long time. If you were to picture him in your mind, you would have a picture of this old man with a white beard, because Jewish men kept their beards long. And according to the book of Leviticus, they didn't shave the corners of the beard. So just think of, think of that at Christmas time. Try to, try to imagine, if you will, an old man with a long white beard. You're probably thinking of somebody else, right? But unfortunately, once again, Simeon is lower on the bill because Santa Claus takes higher billing than Simeon. But I want you to know if Santa Claus were here today, he'd be embarrassed that what we have made over time of him. Now you're thinking, Eric, you, you, you know Santa is not real. I mean, actually, I would disagree with you. He is real, or at least the original one was. 
A lot of stories have come up after him, but actually in the 4th century, there was a man by the name of Nicholas who was a pastor. And Nicholas was a pastor in Myra and the area of Lycia and the area of Anatolia. And you're saying, I have no idea what I just said, and neither do I. <laughs> in other words, this is modern-day Turkey. It's ancient Asia Minor. And this man was a pastor known for his compassion and giving especially to the poor. And about, out of that grew St. Nicholas. Out of that grew Sinterklaas, the Dutch called him. And out of that came Santa Claus. But he was compassionate, and he gave gifts because he loved the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, I was reading an article from USA Today that talked about atheists and how they're, they're feeling a little bit out of sorts during this time of year. Because they have a reputation that they're trying to get rid of. Their reputation of atheists is to be stingy and bah humbug and penny pinchers. And that's because, according to this article, that religious people are 25% more likely to donate money to important causes, causes than secularists. 23% are more likely to volunteer for important things to do when they want change. That they want to give society an impression that atheists are as loving and giving of people of faith are. And that's what they're trying to work on. So Nicholas, this old man in a white beard from the 4th century, was loving and giving and compassionate. But he was because of his relationship to Jesus Christ. The old man with the white beard, Simeon, is about to discover Jesus' Christmas story. So if we look at verse 25, the description is not given him physically, but spiritually. It says, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just, or righteous, and devout, waiting for the constellation, or salvation, of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. Now, I don't know if you picked this up, but three times the Holy Spirit is mentioned in conjunction with this man, Simeon. That's the first time. And then the verse 26, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord Jesus Christ. And then verse 27 says he came by the Spirit into the temple. God had led him to the temple. And here's an interesting thought. The text does not give us an outward description. It doesn't tell us what Simeon looked like. Why? Because God cares more about the inward description of Simeon. That's because that's what God is more concerned with is your inward life, not your outward look. Remember what the prophet Samuel said, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And we are in a culture as human beings very, very appearance-oriented. We spend lots of time in the mirror. That's why mirrors are so popular. That's why we have so many of them in our lives. In fact, I'm I'm shocked at how many people, uh, specifically women, that put on makeup in the car with a mirror. I've seen them at stoplights and stop signs. I've seen them on the freeway. I don't know how you do it. It's pretty impressive. They're at a stoplight, and all of a sudden, they're looking in this rearview mirror, putting on their makeup. And I think, I thought texting was bad. I would say putting on makeup and looking in the mirror is worse. 
It says here that Simeon is waiting for the constellation of Israel. And what does it mean? Simply waiting for the Messiah to come. There was this ancient Jewish prayer that said, may I see in my lifetime the constellation of Israel. It was a messianic hope. And that's who Simeon is. But he's also described supernaturally. In verse 26, it says, It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before the Lord's Messiah or Christ. So Simeon comes by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought the child, Jesus, to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took his arms and blessed him. The old guy would be in the temple, can you imagine, every day, looking around at people, walking in with kids, bringing their babies and kind of just scooping them up. I mean, it would be a little weird, but some old guy goes, can I hold your baby for a second? He goes, sure. And he goes, no, that's not the one. I mean, if I was watching Simeon after a few days, I'd be going, watch this, here he goes again. Every day, picking up a baby, trying to see if it's his. This old guy, every day, scoping him out, thinking in his heart, Could this be the one? Is this the one? What about the one over there? Maybe it's that one. Anticipation. Until one day, this poor couple walks in, Joseph and Mary, and the Holy Spirit says, that's the one. I don't know how it happened, but perhaps awkwardly, Simeon moved his way over to Mary and Joseph, said something like, um... I know this sounds really weird, but can I just hold your baby for a moment? And so he takes the baby in his arms, maybe raising Jesus up a little bit like in Lion King. But it's amazing. Instead, what we get is this amazing poem from Simeon. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and glory of your people Israel. In other words, Lord, I can die happy now. You've kept your promise. Anybody can make a promise. God's great at keeping them. And one thing Christmas does is we celebrate the faithfulness of God. That's been really my testimony over the years. It isn't about my faithfulness. It's always about the faithfulness of God. At Christmas, God is faithful and true. Whenever you lean on the everlasting arms, you won't fall on your face in despair. And Simeon is one who could testify to that. Notice what he says, holding him up. He says, my eyes have seen your salvation. I mean, stop right there for a second. He calls the baby God's salvation. I believe he was speaking Hebrew and it was translated into Greek because it was the language of the time. But he was speaking Hebrew and he was a Hebrew man in a Hebrew temple and that was the language of worship. Which means he would have held Jesus up and said, my eyes have seen your Yahshua. That's the name of Jesus, Yahshua. And you will call his name Yahshua, Jesus, for he saves his people from his his sin, our sins. Now think about this. My eyes have seen your salvation. Salvation is not something you do. It's someone you know. Salvation is a person. It's not something you do. It's someone you know. 
Jesus never said my example in life, my exemplary lifestyle is the way, the truth, and the life. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus never said follow my teachings. He said follow me. He is God's salvation. Peter later said there's no other name given under heaven among men which we must not, that we will be saved except for the name of Jesus Christ. So this little baby wrapped in human flesh, God's gift to you and me, is the gift that we all need to say, have we opened it? Have we opened the gift of Christmas from God? Verse 32, let's look at it for a moment. Simeon goes on and says, He's the light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and glory of your people Israel. That is a cool thing for somebody to say over your baby. Who are the Gentiles? Well, the Gentiles are anybody who is not Israel. So Jew and Gentile, anyone in the world, this baby is salvation. Have you ever heard people say, you know, Christianity is a Western religion? Well, first, they don't know their history, and they don't know their geography. We're talking about something that happened in the Middle East a long time ago in the East. So it's not a Western religion. If anything, it's an Eastern religion, but it's not a religion. It's a relationship. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's not for one group of people. It's for all the groups of people. I was listening to some guy this week, and he said that there are over 24,000 different groups of people in the world today. And you know what? Jesus died for each and every one of those groups. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's the gospel. Jesus will tell his disciples to go into all the world and preach this gospel to every living creature, every person. He's the light, Jesus, to get people out of their darkness and into his light. I read an article, this is crazy, a while back, and I just thought about it this week when I was doing this message about this guy named Ron Tubbs. Ron Tubbs was in Hawaii, and he was off the shore of Oahu, and he was a diver. He was a very famous diver and a diving instructor and all this stuff. And he was driving, he was diving, and his line broke, and it took him out, the current took him all the way out into the sea. Miles. And when nightfall came, it became dark. The Coast Guard didn't know where he was. But luckily, Ron had this tiny little flashlight with him. And he was able to shine it up in the sky, this little light of his. And they said if he had not shown that light in the sky, they would have found him dead because they never would have found him. Long ago, the only flashlight God will recognize is that of his son. And I hope he's shining in your life. So let's finish this off with a prediction in verse 33. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things that were spoken of him. And then Simeon blessed them. So this is all going pretty good. He's holding salvation. He's going to bring light into the world. He's the salvation, the God's hope, beautiful babies, holding it. And then he says, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and the rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against let me give you another translation of this child will be rejected by many and will be their undoing, but he will be the greatest joy to others.
Now imagine you're bringing your kid for a baby dedication and the preacher takes your baby and says something like, this baby's going to be the most hated baby in the world. Parents would say, can I have my baby back? Give me my baby back. Come on. You're not doing it right. But, but that's what he's saying. The child is going to be hated. The child is going to be loved. And isn't that true today that Jesus is the most hated and the most loved in the world? Just mention the name of Jesus in public and you can see different reactions. Those who hate him and those who love him. I remember with my, my grandmother's funeral, I've never in my life seen a more divided room in my entire life as of that day of my, doing my grandmother's service. She loved Jesus. She loved to laugh. She used to always tell me, it's good to laugh in the Lord. She loved to laugh at me, just as my wife does. But she had a great laugh. And at her funeral, there was a very small chapel up in Paradise near Chico. And it only had two rows of pews. And on one side were all these people that knew her from church. And on this side were relatives and people that maybe didn't know her that well or friends of friends and that kind of a thing. This side of the room had a bunch of sailors in the back because she used to have sailors spend the night at her house all the time. She'd cook them a meal. She lived near Mare Island. They built submarines. The deal was you had to go to church with her if she made you a meal and gave you a good night's sleep. So there was a bunch of sailors that she had impacted. And then she died at 87, and her last five years of her life, she didn't like church on Sunday mornings. She thought it was full of a bunch of old fuddy-duddies. So at 80 years old, she started going to youth group on Wednesday nights. And that's why there were so many young people talking about Grandma Marty. And I just remember talking to this room of all these people over here just miserable and sad and just agony. And this side full of joy, laughter, and just love for my grandmother. And I've just never seen the contrast yet as since. The difference between when you love Jesus and know Jesus and you don't, no matter what the situation is. Those of us who know Jesus and have Jesus, we don't look at death the same way. We don't look at Christmas the same way. We don't look at Christmas as all about getting presents and eating a lot of good food. We don't look at Christmas as just gathering together with family. We celebrate the birth that salvation has come. We celebrate differently. All the way from the crib to the cross, we celebrate differently. So let me draw your attention in closing to this. It says yes in verse 35. And it's the first hint of the cross here. Yes, yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. I believe that's a prediction that one day Mary will stand underneath that cross and see her son displayed. And he'll be bleeding. And it's like a dagger that will break her heart, the shadow of a cross that falls upon the baby. Like I said before, if you want to clearly see the crib of Christmas, you must see the cross. Mary, the mother of Jesus, would have a pain in her heart, a broken heart, 
emotional pain, and she would feel everything of it. That baby grew up and was crucified, and seeing him die, Mary's heart would be broken. But his death also heals broken hearts. For Simeon, Christmas was holding his own arms and his own hands, salvation, Jesus. It could be the same for all of us. Maybe like some of you, like Simeon, have waited a long time for salvation. Maybe you're at a point in your life where everything you've tried has fallen flat. Every experience doesn't satisfy. You're still living with your past and the burden of your own sin, your own mistakes. But salvation has come. That's the point of Christmas. Salvation has come. God's constellation has come. And his name is Jesus. He didn't come to be a baby. He came to die on a cross. And that is what brings our consolation. And that brings us our salvation. We began this series four weeks ago with sight. The sights of Christmas. And the sights that can happen at quite a distance away. We can see stars from far away. But God is closer than a brother. We talked about the sounds of Christmas. Sound necessitates us getting a little bit closer. A little bit closer than sight demands. In fact, a whisper can even be powerful. And Jesus says that that the Holy Spirit will speak to us. God will speak to us in a still, small voice. Then we talked last week of the taste of Christmas. To taste the bread that is broken. In order to taste that bread, we have to be at the same table together and with Jesus. Sharing a meal, we talked about, calls for intimacy. It goes beyond the demands of sight and sound. And finally today, we offer the touch of Christmas, which means you have to be even closer. I pray you see what God is trying to bring to you. I pray you hear his small, small, still voice. And I pray you partake in the Lord's Supper, or as we said, taste and see that the Lord is good. And then you have to get intimate. The touch of Christmas. You know, there was a woman with an issue of blood in the Bible, and all she did was touch the hem of his garment, and she was healed. But can you embrace Jesus today and all that who he is? In other words, this journey of our senses has been a journey in which the distance between God and man's relationship grows closer and closer and closer until we finally surrender our will to the will of the Father. When we surrender all that is us to our Savior Jesus, then we become an adopted child of God. We are part of an eternal family, the family of God. And it's evidence of something not seen, but to be believed. We could stand to our feet this morning, those in the online this morning as well. I was 
talking to Bob this morning and I realized that this is the last Sunday I'll be preaching in front of you here. And if I can leave you with anything, it's first of all what my grandma used to say, it's good to laugh in the Lord. But she, her favorite story was the prodigal son. And the prodigal son just teaches us that no matter how far away you've gone from God, no matter how you never knew him before, he is always the father looking for his long lost son. He's looking for his child. God today is looking for you if you have walked away. If you're at such a distance, you can barely see him. You're such a distance, you can hardly hear him. You're at such a distance, you can hardly sit down and taste the bread and the wine. If you're at such a distance, you can't feel the touch of God. Today, make the decision that you've been walking away from him. It's time to turn and walk towards him. The Bible calls that repentance when we are walking one way and we turn and go a different way and this morning the invitation to all of us this Christmas is the same invitation that Simeon had behold a child is born will you receive him as the gift I would say it's as simple as asking Jesus in your heart, but those of us who've been walking with Jesus any length of time know it's more than that. It's more than just words. It's a change in life, a change of heart. The good news for us that have messed up hearts, God gives us a new one. For those who have messed up our past, God gives us a new life for the future. You just have to say, God, I'm a sinner. I need forgiveness and I need to change the way I've been walking and I want to walk towards you I want to be closer to you I want to hear you I want to taste you I want to see you I want to feel you so God I repent I turn it going from my way to go to your way you pray that prayer and the cool thing is is Jesus starts walking towards you already He's already walking towards you. You will think you're far away. And it's one of those things, the minute you turn towards him, he's right there. He's right there, closer than a brother. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And when you turn towards him in all humility and all looking for your salvation from him, when you repent of all the ways you've been living before and you turn towards him, He is quick to forgive and he's quick to love and he's quick to save. It's a process, I know. But it's the greatest decision you'll ever make in your life. Sure, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to fall down, but Jesus will always pick you up. Nothing can now separate you from the love that Christ has for you. I encourage you today in the privacy of your home or wherever you're at or where you're at right now, repent and believe. Repent and believe. Turn from your way and go towards God. Turn towards thinking you've got it all figured out and you're totally dependable and go to someone who's a solid rock, a foundation that is consistent from the beginning of time till the end. This time is running out. We're close to Jesus coming back and he's not going to come back and say, okay, everybody ask me in your hearts. He's going to judge. Are you ready? Let us pray.
Father, together in this room, I pray for those that are thinking inside their hearts, yeah, I probably need to repent and believe. Father, will you reveal yourself to them by your power of your Holy Spirit? Will you bring people around them to love them and encourage them and lift them up? Father, will you help us to be brighter lights than we've ever been this Christmas season? That, Father, we are your representatives and we are the royal priesthood called to spread your gospel. Help us to live our lives that are consistent with that, Father. Forgive us for all those times where we've messed up and ignored you. And God, help us to move forward in the walk that you have for us. We commit all of our ways to you, God. Now make our path straight. All we know is the next step. So thank you, Father, for those online and those here today. And I pray a blessing upon each and every one of them this wonderful Christmas season. And in Jesus' name, the church said, amen. God bless you guys. I love you. Hey, don't forget to sign up for the... uh, for the uh, breakfast next week so we know who's coming and we know what what, what, uh, what you're bringing. If you can't bring anything, sign up anyway so we know you're coming. Next Sunday, downstairs, church and our last service together of the year. God bless you. Have a great, great day.